Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. You know, uh, many of you know I have three daughters, uh, Faith, Leah, and Sophia, and when we first had Faith, we were just learning how to become parents. One of the things that you begin to see as a dad is that mom is definitely the better parent, praise God. It's just the way that she's constructed, right? She can just do things you can't. Well, one day, now I was, I was, I helped out. I was, I was okay, dad. But one day my wife said, listen, I'm going to leave you and Faith home alone. You home. So she did everything for me. She told me how to, how to do, you know, go up and down and side to side and hold it like a football. All those things. We, you know, sing this song, you know, hush little baby all those little songs and warm the milk up. She did all, she got me totally prepared, right? Once she left, about an hour in, Faith started to cry. So I did my little bounce, my little bounce, my little bounce, and she kept crying. Then I did a little football, did a little football action. And then I did a hush little baby, hush little baby, kept crying. Got my milk, warmed it. No, wouldn't happen, wouldn't happen. My wife was gone for 93 minutes. I know all the minutes she was gone, it felt horrible. I was sweating, I was angry, I'm holding my child, and she's screaming at the top of her lungs. My wife walks in, she goes, oh! And and she just falls asleep on my wife. And I was just like, what in the world? And what she wanted was mom. There was nothing I could do. All the food and all that she wanted, mom. And you know that for kids, you can teach them how to talk. You can teach them how to walk. Teach them how to sing. But you do not need to teach a child how to cry. You see, children, in the very moment they are born, they say, I have a need and I need you to figure out what it is. And so that's what we do. We go, gosh, what it is. And it could be a relationship, could be mom, could be, could be milk. You don't know, right? And so part of what we learn is that kids are born emotionally honest. But as life goes on, we learn things like it is what it is. You know, just that's the way it happened. You know, I got to do what I got to do. Man's got to be what he's got to be. Girl, I can work through it. We learn all these little phrases to push through life and resign the emotions that we naturally have. We don't cry out anymore. We don't know how to address the feelings and the emotions that we have inside of us. Chip Dodd in his book, Uh, Voices of the Heart, some of you that are in growth groups are working through that now. Even if you aren't in a growth group, I encourage you to get this book. And we're in the third chapter, essentially, as we're walking through it. I will not be going through it line by line in any way, but I'll be referencing it. But in Chip Dodd's book, he says, unless we rediscover our ability to feel deeply and express feelings clearly, we will never find full life. We learn how to state the facts of what happened. I lost my job. Or we learn how to talk about our feelings, but we never learn how to talk through those feelings. And if we do talk about our feelings, we never know what we need. 
We never define and talk through and describe what is it that we need. In other words, we don't know how to process our emotions. Chip Dodd will unpack this because we can have either a healthy expression of our emotions or an unhealthy expression. The way he puts it is our emotions can be a gift that we use or we can have an impaired expression of it. And this afternoon, we are going to be talking about hurt, the feeling of hurt. The reason why we named this series, I feel some type of way is literally when I moved to New York City, I started hearing people use this phrase. Now, I later heard some song by Rich Homie Quan. He's my favorite. No, I'm kidding. I have no idea who this man is. But I heard this, I heard this phrase, I feel some type of way. And I was like, oh, what does that mean? It's like, I feel some type of way. I was like, but what, what does it mean, though? It's, it means I feel some type of way. I was like, oh, okay, so you're just saying you feel some way. How do you feel, though? I was like, some type of way. I was like, okay, so clearly this is vernacular in the culture, but I've learned a lot of people feel something, but they haven't learned how to address what it is. And so that's why we named it this. And so we're going to be able to give you kind of a a clear picture of what our emotions are doing inside of us and how to describe them so we can be a blessing to others and grow and be healed. Hurt is the feeling that expresses I've experienced a wound, right? Uh, Tony Dungy, the football coach uh, once for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he wrote a, a book called Quiet Strength. And in the book, he references the fact that he adopted a child that did not have the feelings to feel pain. And so they didn't know this when they adopted the child. One day they left the child in the kitchen and their mom had made some chocolate chip cookies. She put the dough in the oven, put it at 300 or 400, whatever the high heat was. And the child, because they were so longing for this Uh, this cookie, they opened up the oven, got the cookie, put it in their mouth, and it was steaming and it was burning, and they were just looking at him. And they were like, what's what's wrong with this child? And they did not know. He couldn't feel pain. And because he couldn't feel pain, he would often find himself getting wounded again and again and again. We need to feel pain in order to have an awareness of where our hurts are and not to not only get hurt again, but to also warn others. There are some myths that we have to be able to deal with. And for each of these sermons, I'll be dealing with some myths about emotions or a particular emotion. I kind of want to do both. I want to talk about emotions and hurt as I talk about these myths before we jump into this text. One myth is feelings are good or bad. Feelings are good or bad. The truth is, Feelings are tools to help us discover where we are in a tragic world. The way we choose to express them can be healthy or unhealthy. You can radically reorientate the way that you look at your emotional state when you consider the way that you feel as a tool. Far too often, we look at feelings as a dashboard, not a GPS, or feelings rather, are a dashboard, not a GPS. What we mean by that is dashboards allow you to see the status of your car. You need to see where you're at. But they're not a GPS, meaning at a GPS, a GPS tells you what direction you're going and takes you to a certain place. So for a lot of people, their feelings 
Because they feel that way, they feel they have to go the way of the emotion. It drives them and moves them. There are some people you know, if they're angry that day, watch out. Because that I just feel angry. So everybody has to now deal with your anger. And that, that emotion now drives their every day. If they're sad, their sadness takes up the vacuum of the entire room. Why? Because they feel, if I feel this way, I need to live that feeling out in an unhealthy way and really asking other people to repent the damaged place in your soul. So feelings, we have to understand, are a dashboard, not a GPS. They're tools to help us understand where we are. We should be looking on the inside when we feel. The second myth is a phrase that we've heard for many years. It's almost like a verse in our culture. Time heals all wounds. I'll just give, you know what? Just give it some time. Just get, give it some time. You know, in a year, you're going to forget about this. And you and I know there are things you've been thinking about for years. And time did not do anything. There are people and situations that you can think about for decades. Depending on the person, depending on the situation. The truth is, unattended emotional wounds spread resentment like an infection in the heart. If you suppress hurt over time, your spiritual, emotional, and possibly your physical health will weaken. There are people that are listening to this right now that have been through tremendous things. And I have met people who lost parents. I've met people who have been in accidents. I've met people who have been through all types of um, just horrific things. And yet what I've noticed is just because one person was in a circumstance and another person was in a circumstance doesn't mean they come out the same. I think the difference is you can either say, I've been through a lot or I've worked through a lot. You see, when you, work, when you learn how to work through your past and work through the different situations and traumatic areas that you've been through, you begin to not only be a healthy person, a stronger person, but you begin to be a benefit for other people. Time does not heal wounds. We must go through the process so that we can become stronger and heal others. The third myth is it's God's job to take away our feelings. And you know, this really rocked me when I was reading this because I was like, that's what I'd be doing. Like when, like Mark's up there worse. I'm like, take, take my set. Take it, Jesus. Take it. I don't want it no more. You know, we want God to just get that feeling out of there. And you know what? Here's the truth. God can deliver us in our feelings. He can. He can just, he can turn your emotional state around in a moment. But here's what I believe is the ultimate truth. God is not necessarily here to get us out of our feelings. He wants to be with us in our feelings. He wants to sit with us and walk with us. The truth of the matter is God gave us those feelings. God gave us sadness. He gave us hurt. He gave that to us. And they are meant to teach us something. And they are meant to, to, to draw, him, draw us to him. Feelings are the truth about you. I shouldn't feel that way, but you do. But you do. So, so let's just deal with that. You still feel that way. I know I shouldn't still be here, but you're still there. So let's deal with that. 
And let's stop trying to look strong. Let's stop pretending. And let's get honest with where we're at with situations that happened two years ago and you still think about it. Even if the person meant it or they didn't mean it, it still hurt. And you got to honor your emotional state. If you can't face your feelings, you can't face the truth about you. That's who you really are. No matter how well you've been able to perform. Psalm 109, I love David. David is so honest in the scriptures. And David, we got to remember, David says some foul things in the scriptures. And yet he's still called a man after God's own heart. And I believe the reason why David is considered a man after God's own heart is not because he's always present with God. And it's not just because he's always perfect to God. I believe that David is fully present in confession with where he's at. You see the difference? I'm not saying being in front of God, saying, God, come. I'm telling God, this is where I'm really, this is where I really am. And God said, that's a man after my heart. He's, he's willing to, to unpack who he fully is in front of me. Psalm 109. Be not silent, O God of my praise. For wicked and deceitful mouths are opened against me, speaking against me with lying tongues. They encircle me with words of hate and attack me without cause. Now, do you, you see what's happening there? They're wicked, they're deceitful, but here's the thing he says. This is where hurt really comes. You see, when an enemy is an enemy and you know they're an enemy and you're protecting yourself from against an enemy, you're fine because you already know. Keep your distance. But here's what's happening here. He says, wait a minute. I didn't know this was my enemy. This person's attacking me without cause. In other words, he's sitting there saying, what did I do? Look in the next part. In return for, watch this, my love, they accuse me. I give myself to prayer, right? But then he says, so they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. You see, what David is pointing out is that it's one thing to be wounded by people you know want to wound you, but unexpected wounds from the people you love are the most tragic wounds to heal from. The people that were supposed to care for you, the people that you thought would be there for you, the people that you trusted, those are the wounds that are deep. Those are the wounds that are hard to move on from. And oftentimes we can't really wrap our minds around a phrasing, the, the way to describe it. So we say things like, I was blindsided. I was stabbed in the back. The rug was pulled out from under me. Out of nowhere this happened. I wasn't ready. It is with the unexpected wounds. It is from the people that you were leaning on. That is when it's hard to recover. That's why David continues to talk about this. And what happens, what happens in the heart when you have an unexpected wound, when you expected, and the person who you expected healing from caused you pain, you end up with resentment. Resentment 
is the product of trying to find solutions that reject hurt. So resentment is when, you're, when you hurt and you deny it, minimize it, or project it on to another, you're ending up in resentment. God says it this way, through resentment, we are able to deflect the focus from the internal pain and onto someone or something else. The impaired expression of hurt kills relationships and therefore stops all healing. Essentially what resentment is, is when you nurse a grudge. Nursing a grudge. Um, When I was a kid, um, I used to put posters up in my room. And so I had this one big poster of Patrick Ewing dunking. And I had a picture of Mike Tyson punching somebody. And I had a picture of Chuck D. I I know, praise God. Y'all won't know who he is. He's a rapper from years ago. Anyway, but anyway, I had a picture. He had an African medallion on and a gold chain, a nice jacket. I had a picture of him, right? And these were all the people I looked up to. And he was rapping. And I used to put these pictures up and these pictures were a way that I would remember these guys. I loved them. In many ways, when you nurse a grudge, you define a person by the way they hurt you. You remember the moment that they hurt you. And it's like you've put a pinup on your emotional walls. You, you put a pinup of who they were when they did that and you keep it there and you stare at it. And what they did to you three years ago, that's who they are. You pin it up there and you think about it all the time. It's through nursing grudges and having resentments that the wounded cannot get healed. And so this is is what David does. David tells God how resentful he is. Look at what he says in Psalm 106. Y'all, this is David's honest. Psalm 109, verse 6. This is what he says. This is a prayer. This is This is crazy. Appoint a wicked man against him. So just get somebody to take him out. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. In other words, the same way I'm being accused, I want them accused too. When he is tried, right, let him come forth guilty. Let his prayers be counted as sin. Don't even listen to his prayers, God. And listen, let his day be few. Take him out. Then he says, let somebody else take his office. Give, let him lose his job. But then he says, may his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. What? I mean, this sounds like a rap battle, right? Like, David, really? But, but, but we feel, when we've been wounded, we feel justified in the way that we're saying these things. You hurt me, so I want your whole family to be hurt. And do you know what's amazing? David is saying all this to God. And it's written in the Bible. Because somehow God wanted us to show us real, honest prayers. You know, our problem is that we pray nice, Christianized, well-packaged prayers of bless them. But then when we get with our friends, we curse them. Here's the truth. This is what's called an imprecatory prayer. Do you know what an imprecatory prayer? The word to imprecate means to curse. David's cussing all through this prayer. And and we want somebody to come against their life because he's hurting and he's resentful. And so he's saying that to God in a very deep and emotional way. 
You see, because resentment always seeks justice. You want them to feel what you felt. Now, the crazy thing is, David, in Psalm 109, 21, 22, says, but you, O Lord, you, O God, my Lord, deal on my behalf for your name's sake, because your steadfast love is good, deliver me, for I am poor and needy, and my heart is stricken within me. I need you. Look what he says. He says, I need you to deal with them, God. Deal with my reputation. He moves from resentment to relationship, and he invites God into the very pains that he's feeling. David was wanting vengeance, but he invites God into the hurt. And I just think it is so important that we not forget the way that David operates in this prayer is the way that we operate. Because in Psalm 109, 25, you know what it says? I am the object of scorn to my accusers. When they see me, they wag their heads. You know what he does? He goes right back to the pain. So he prays this very blessed God deal with the pain. And then in verse 25, he says, and and you know, another thing, they're going to wag their heads. David emotionally vacillates in his prayer. And I believe God allows us to see this honest relationship with him because so many times we've dealt with the issue. We've prayed about it. We've talked it through. But then within the same hour after we prayed that prayer, we find, themsel- we find ourselves having these imaginary conversations with those same people that hurt us within the same hour. And so the fact of the matter is if Davis, David shows us this, that means that we too, like waves coming in from the shore, there'll be days that we pray that right prayer, that we, we feel healed. And then out of nowhere, that, that memory will come back crashing in. And David lifts that emotion up to the Lord. What we have to realize is that many of us have learned Not only how to perform, but to look strong. And we've never truly learned how to be honest with God and others about our hurts. So we stay in this emotional performance. And it comes out. It comes out in certain moments when we're in conflict. It comes out in our deepest relationships. And so how can we move forward? We must learn how to be honest with our hurt. We must learn how to be vulnerable with others and honest with God about how we've been wounded, no matter how silly it may seem. I was 27 years old. I was at a conference and I raised my hand and uh, this guy, he had just preached and he was amazing. And so I, you know, I asked a question. It was a room full of people. And I don't remember my question, but it was something about like men emotionally healing, something like that. And the guy kind of did an off-putting comment like, you know, we, you know, we ain't, you know, men aren't that weak. We ain't no sissies or something like that. And the room fell out and laughed. And I was like, ha, 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 I went back in my room and I was ready to fight this dude, right? I was in my room and I was so angry. 
And I'll never forget uh, a guy who would eventually pastor me. He saw me and he says, hey, how did that make you feel? And I remember I just stared at him like, oh God. And I felt myself welling up. And it was this little thing that, be, that turned into a huge thing inside of me. But he had the courage to ask me how I felt. And I began to work through that. There are small things that have left deep wounds. And there are some very tragic things that you just have not learned how to open up about. So we must be honest with our hurts. We must be willing to be specific about naming that hurt. Who hurt you? Who? Now, we talked about this years ago, uh, last year when we were talking about church hurt. Church hurt is not when a, you run into a, a building called church and you're hurt. Buildings don't hurt people, right? It was someone in the church that hurt you. Who hurt you? Who are they? Name them. How did the hurt happen? What was the situation? Now, what do you need? Do you need to trust again? Do you need to be able to have a conversation? What do you need? What are you asking God to do? How can God, as David said, deal on your behalf? Be specific with what you're asking for. Thirdly, take your hurts to the right places. Take your hurt to God. Take your hurt to trusted and mature people. Take your hurt to the offender if possible. But it takes courage to clarify your hurt, but it produces healing over time. And when you have that clarity and you're honest about where you are with God, with mature people, and even the offender, you begin to heal because you're naming what you need. But what you don't want to be is like my daughter. When she was an infant, it was okay that she cried and cried and cried. And I'm like, what do you need? What do you need? But some of you are 35 years old. And everybody's like, I don't know what's wrong with them. I don't know what's wrong with them. I just, I don't know. They just, you know, they're, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know. You know those people that some of the, some of that is you because you are emotionally immature. And you've got to be able to name what's wrong because you're asking us to parent you. So in the name of Jesus, for those of you in growth groups, heal, be honest with where you're hurt. In this Q&A, be honest. Even if you can't name the exact names, I get it, name the situation, be honest. Let's take this time to heal together so we can be emotionally mature and name what we need. Father, in the name of Jesus, let healing come. Let maturity come. Let growth come. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. 
If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclays Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.